0: good morning church for those of you who are visiting i'm bob sawyer one of the elders here at redeemer our usual pattern on sunday mornings is expository preaching currently we're in the book of luke pastor vic is out of town this week and he will resume in luke 18 when he returns this morning i'm going to be speaking on a topic uh, that came up at one of our elders meetings a month or so ago And we thought it was worth sharing in a sermon with all of you. Uh, The topic is praise and worship. And the words praise and worship both occur over 200 times in Scripture. uh, So there's no way I'm going to fully cover uh, this topic this morning in one sermon. But I do hope to open up what the Scripture has to say about how and why we worship. So, uh, before we dive into God's Word, let, let me just pray for us. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come, that you would breathe upon us, that you would speak through me, that you would speak to all of our hearts, that you would instruct us, Lord, that you would draw us near to you. We just commit this time to you in Christ's name. Amen. So, I'm going to be covering a lot of scripture this morning. We're going to be in and out of the Old and New Testament. uh, And so I'm not gonna ask you to stand every time I read a scripture, but as our custom is, I would ask that you would stand with me as I read our opening passage, Psalm 96, which speaks of both praise and worship. It's uh, noteworthy to me that the book of Psalms, a collection of prayers, verses, and songs praising God, is found in the center of the Bible because praise should be central in our lives. So from Psalm 96, O oh, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe or attribute to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Please be seated. You know, we could easily spend the rest of the morning just drawing out of this beautiful psalm. It's a great description of praise and worship and of God's worth. But I want to get a broad picture of of, of praise and worship throughout scripture this morning. You know, praise is easier for me to describe than worship because praise is outward and visible. Praise is defined in the broadest sense as to boast or to rave about something, to command, to speak well of, or to laud. You know, we either express God's praise directly to God himself or to others that are around us or to both. But in all cases, praise is a tangible visible expression that's communicated outwardly. As it says in Psalm 66 verse eight, bless our God, O peoples, let the sound of his praise be heard. And in Isaiah 40 verse nine, go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news, lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not, say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. So we make our praise heard. We shout it from the mountaintops. It's not something that's hidden or contemplative or something that's going on inside. We want to declare God's praise out loud for all to hear. Our praise should be something that flows out of our lives. It's something that we actually have to decide to do. It's not something that we just do when we feel like doing it. It's not something that just bubbles up when things are good. In Psalm 130, David instructs himself to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my innermost being, praise his name. And in Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Praise should not just be our response when God does something amazing that blesses us, or when we're happy and feeling good, it should be a constant part of our daily life. You know, Habakkuk paints a good picture of this in chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, where he says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the product of the olive fail, and the fields yield no fruit. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. So our our praise flows out not because of our circumstances, but because of the Lord. When we don't feel like praising the Lord, it's helpful to remember the reasons he gives us in Scripture to praise him. The first being obedience. God tells us to praise him. In Psalm 150 verse six, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As long as we're living and breathing, we owe praise to the Lord. In Psalm 104, 100 verse four, it instructs us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I know it's challenging on Sunday morning. I, I can remember what it was like trying to get four small children out the door, fed and in the car and get to church. And it seemed like there was always something going on, but we need to enter his gates. We need to enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise already in our hearts. As best we're able, we need to prepare our hearts and our minds before we show up here on Sunday morning. We need to be in a place where we're ready to praise and worship our God. We praise the Lord because he's worthy of our praise. In Psalm 48, verse one, we read, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In Revelation 4:11, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. You know, He is worthy of all of our worship and praise. Thirdly, it is good and right for us to praise Him. Psalm 92:1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. And Psalm 135, verse 3. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. Because it's good and right to praise him, it brings joy and gladness to our hearts. When we praise God in spite of our situation, it transitions us from a place of self-focus and discouragement into a place of thankfulness and gladness and enables God to move in our hearts and our circumstances in in an unusual way. And lastly, we praise the Lord because it's what we were created to do. We find true joy in his presence and fulfillment as we praise him. 1 Peter 2.9 reminds us, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And in Isaiah 43 verse 21, the Lord calls us the people whom I formed for myself, that they may declare my praise. Or as it states in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It's not possible for us to fulfill our purpose in life apart from praising and glorifying our Creator. Praise and worship is a key to our enjoyment of God and to finding satisfaction in our life. So knowing that we need to praise God, the question arises, how should we praise Him? As I'll cover shortly, it's essential that our praise and worship be done God's way, and the best source for God's way is God's Word. Some of you may remember uh, a number of weeks ago, I shared some of the Hebrew words for praise. And I think as we delve into biblical expressions of praise, these Hebrew words give us insight into how God desires us to praise Him. So I think it's worth going over those again. Just these words alone really direct our hearts in praise. Halal means to be clear, To shine, to make a show. To boast, to be clamorously foolish. To rave, to celebrate. Commend, to sing praise. In other words, to extravagantly celebrate God. Another word for praise is yada. To hold out the hands, to throw out your hands. To revere or worship with extended hands. To praise, to give thanks. Tehillah is a Hebrew word for laudation, for praise. And zamar means to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument, to play upon it, to make music accompanied by the voice, to celebrate in song and music, to strike a musical instrument with your fingers. Barak means to kneel, to kneel down, to salute, to bless God, to. It's an act of adoration to kneel before him. Shabak means to address God in a loud tone. In other words, to shout, to commend, to glory, to praise, to triumph. Shabak is to adore the Lord. Tada is again an extension of the hands, adoration. And can also mean a choir of worshipers, a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And mahalal, fame, to make God's fame known. So as we can see, all of the expressions of praise are visible. They're outward. There's something you can see, you can experience, a way that we demonstrate what's going on in our hearts. When we look at these biblical expressions of praise, The two most familiar ones to us and the ones that we normally think of when we talk about praise are music and singing. And that just reminds me, thank you, worship team, for a great job this morning of leading us in musical worship. Psalm 150 describes a variety of musical instruments used to praise the Lord. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. The Psalms are also filled with many commands to sing to God. For brevity's sake, I'm not gonna read them all. I'm just gonna throw out a few that you can look at later if you're taking notes. But Psalm 95 verses one and two, Psalm 96 1 through four, Psalm 108, verse 1, Psalm 138, verse 1, and Psalm 149, verse 1, all contain a command for us to sing our praise to the Lord. Another biblical expression of praise is clapping our hands. You know, this can be a rhythmic accompaniment to music, you know, when we clap along to the beat of the song, or it can be a separate spontaneous clapping to the Lord. It's not applause for the quality of the musical presentation we just heard, but it's an offering unto the Lord. And we can see that in Psalm 47 verse one, clap your hands, all you peoples. We can also raise our hands as an expression of praise. In Nehemiah eight verse six, we see an example of this, where Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen, lifting their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Psalm 28, verse two, Psalm 63, verse four, Psalm 134, verse two, Psalm 142, verse two, and Timothy 2, eight, all describe raising our hands before the Lord. And as we just read from Nehemiah, we can also bow before the Lord, bowing our heads, bowing our body, kneeling, even prostrating ourselves on the ground before the Lord is an expression of praise and worship found in Scripture. The attitude of bowing shows submission. It shows reverence. It shows godly fear for the awesome nature of our God in cultures where there are kings or other nobility this is a very routine expression that acknowledges the higher station of the person that we're bowing to you know here in in our culture we don't do that you know we don't we don't bow to people so but i think that makes it all the more special that this expression of praise and submission is reserved for god alone other examples of bowing and kneeling are found in Psalms 95, verse 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. And in Revelation 19:4, we see the beautiful picture of the 24 elders falling down and worshiping before the throne of the living God. Conversely, we can also stand to show our reverence for God, and we frequently do that here at Redeemer when we stand to honor the reading of the Lord's Word. You know, it's, it's interesting when you read in the Old Testament the description of, of the tabernacle and on God's instructions on building the tabernacle, there's one piece of furniture that's not described, and that's a chair. The priests all stood in the presence of the Lord it demonstrated their respect for the lord and their alertness to be ready for his voice you can also see this pictured in second chronicles 5:12 where the priests and singers stood to the east of the altar and in second chronicles 7:6 during the dedication of the temple all the people stood and in psalm 135:2 where it speaks of the servants of the lord who stand in the house of our God. So when we stand during our musical worship, that is actually a part of our praise and worship of the Lord, showing our respect and showing our attention is on him and we're listening for his voice. A more vigorous expression of praise that's demonstrated in scripture is dancing. It's mentioned in numerous places as part of praise to God. In Exodus 50 verses 20 and 21, Right after God delivered the Israelites from the Egyptian army at the Red Sea when he parted the sea and then the waters closed over Pharaoh's army, Miriam led the women in dancing and singing before the Lord in celebration of his mighty triumph over their enemies. We see another picture of dancing before the Lord in 2 Samuel 6 where David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem and he dances before the Lord, with all his might this is an amazing celebration of the entrance of the ark into the city of god and there's shouting there's music there's sacrifices it's it's very demonstrative of the excitement of god's presence coming into the city but it's interesting that david's wife michael when she looked out and saw it she says that she despised david in, in her heart And as a result, she was barren the rest of her life. That serves as a caution to me in judging how others worship before the Lord. I don't want to experience spiritual barrenness in my life because of passing judgment on others. Dancing before the Lord is also described in Psalm 31 and in 149.3, let them praise his name with dancing. And in Psalm 150, verse 4, praise him with tambourine and dance. As I also mentioned during David's procession in Jerusalem, shouting was an expression of worship that's depicted there. Shouting is associated with praise in Psalm 47, verse 1. We're instructed to shout to God with loud songs of joy. And in Psalm 66, verse 1, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. We need to praise God with our whole being. Psalm 103, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. You know, in in our culture, it's very acceptable to jump up and down in front of the television set and to high-five each other over the results of a sports event. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you do that in church, it's like, wow, that's, that's strange. What's wrong with you? You know, but I think that we should be able to display as much excitement about the presence of God as we do about a football game. I'm not trying to manipulate anyone into any particular expression of worship. But I do want, as we look at what the Bible says about how God desires to be praised, how he desires to be worshipped, that we would be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit during our praise and worship. I want us to be more excited about making much of Jesus than we would be about proclaiming the excellency of our favorite sports team. Expressing our praise and worship in new ways can be uncomfortable, but a lot of times it results in a fresh understanding of God and his ways and a fresh freedom in our lives and a greater move of God in our midst. There's no magic recipe in any of this. It's just showing our respect to God in the ways he desires to be honored. Praise often leads us into worship, but there is a difference between praise and worship. As I mentioned, praise is outward. You can see if someone's praising the Lord or not, but we can't see worship. Even though it can be expressed in many of the same ways as praise, worship can also be contemplative. It can be meditative. Worship occurs when our soul and our spirit respond to the revelation of who God is, of his glorious power and might, of his loving kindness and mercy demonstrated towards us and our awe that the Holy God, the creator of all that is seen and unseen, would desire to relate with us. Worship is not emotionalism, but it's definitely emotional. You know, even as I share this with you, something wells up in my heart, you know, the feeling of God's presence with us. Worship is our spirit and communion with God's spirit. It's the deep within us crying out to the deep parts of God. A key passage that addresses our worship is in John 4 verses 21 through 23 where Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him god is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth in this passage jesus doesn't instruct us in how to worship in spirit and truth or what that looks like he simply tells us that god is seeking true worshipers and that we must worship in spirit and truth so how do we do that First of all, we need to recognize that we can't worship God our way. We must worship him his way. God has laid out in scripture how he is to be worshiped and what's pleasing to him. And he even cautions us in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And I can think of a couple of examples in scripture of how serious it is that we worship God in ways that are acceptable. There's a couple pictures where unacceptable worship is offered before the Lord. One was a demonstration of worship in man's way and the other was a demonstration of worship that was not done in truth. Both depict the reality of Hebrews 12, that God is a consuming fire. The first is Leviticus 10. Aaron's sons were presumptuous. They decided to worship the Lord their own way, to bring their own incense before the Lord in a way that he didn't command. And when they brought this unauthorized fire before the Lord, they died for it. And this is not reserved for the Old Testament in Acts 5. Ananias and Sapphira were offering a gift, which is another way we worship Lord, the Lord in our giving. And when they brought the, their gift before the Lord as an act of worship, they were untruthful. They lied about it. They were not worshiping in truth. And they also died for that. You know, these serve as reminders that we must worship in spirit and truth with reverence and awe We must take these warnings to heart as we draw near to God. So what does it mean for us to worship in spirit and truth? We're able to worship in spirit because we are God's temple and his spirit dwells in us. As we're reminded in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you're God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Through the work of the cross, God has enabled us to worship in spirit by pouring out the Holy Spirit on us. We can't even acknowledge that Christ is Lord except by the work of the Holy Spirit. True worship is also worship that comes from our heart. Isaiah 19 verse 13 describes those who come near to the Lord with their mouth but their hearts are far from him. Our worship can't be lip service to the Lord. It must have meaning. It must come from our heart, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. We have to be all in in our worship of the Lord. We cannot be half-hearted about it. We worship in truth because we come to the Lord through Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So when we come to worship through Christ, we're able to worship in truth. When we worship, we seek God's face in response to his call to us. In Psalm 27, verse 8, we read, You have said... Seek my face, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. We draw near to the Lord, we press in to know him, to gain a better revelation of who he is, because he invites us to. What a privilege we have to draw near to the living God and to lavish our praise and our affection upon him. As I wrap up, I want to remind us that of all the things we do on earth for the Lord, all the ways we serve Him, only praise and worship continues into eternity. In heaven, we won't be needing to teach each other. We won't need to instruct each other. We won't need to have outreach events or acts of service. But as it says in Revelation 22, The throne of God and of the lamb will be in it, the new Jerusalem, and his servants will worship him. Now on earth, it's our privilege to worship the Lord voluntarily from our heart. But their time is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. So I wanna encourage us all today to press in to God the Father, through Christ the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us offer an acceptable sacrifice of praise and worship to our glorious King. In just a minute, Eric Wright's gonna come up and lead us in communion. But before that, I just wanna invite anyone here who hasn't yet accepted Christ as Savior who finds, you find yourself unable to worship in spirit and truth, you don't know how to do that. I would invite you not to leave this morning without speaking with one of us. Please come up after the service is over. Find me or one of the other elders here. We would love to pray with you. Let's pray together now. Father, I just ask that you would seal these words in our heart that our worship and our praise would arise as incense before your throne, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would seal these words in our hearts. In Christ's name, amen.